Welcome to Coastal. I'm Pastor Chris. Uh, it is great to have you with us today. I hope you are having uh, a wonderful summer and uh, we are uh, fast approaching. Uh, somebody told me today that uh, school supplies were already on sale. Sorry, at Target, other places. I know, I know. It seems like the summer is just speeding on along here. But I hope you're having a great summer. Uh, great to be here today with you. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed uh, our At The Movies series this year as much as I have. Um, I've enjoyed sharing with you some of my favorite all-time movies. That was the uh, the little twist we decided to do this year with this series. Uh, in years past, we've looked at uh, you know, whatever current movies we're playing in the theater and then just kind of use them as a springboard to talk about uh, spiritual truth. And we're doing that, that same thing, but instead of doing current movies, we decided to pick, I decided to pick my all-time favorite movie. So uh, we've looked at Rocky, uh, The Godfather. We talked about, you know, David and Goliath and Sin. And uh, Braveheart was on Father's Day. We had a real strong challenge for men to rise up and to be godly men. Uh, Jaws talked about uh, the story of Jonah and the whale or the big fish. And um, then last week we talked about hope. Uh, What was last week's movie? Do you remember? Shawshank Redemption, real family movie. Anyway, um, but but today's movie, no doubt, uh, is another one of my all-time favorite movies. Raise your hand if you've seen The Sound of Music. Just joking, not the sound, not the sound of music. That's my wife Janet's favorite all-time movie, and she's been harassing me about this list of movies that I've chosen, because they're not really geared toward the ladies um, here, but, um, but, uh, but obviously her movie has no redeeming spiritual value whatsoever, so <laughs> don't tell her I said that, but... Um, but raise your hand if you've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's a great, great movie. Um, it's a 1981 American action, action adventure, of course, directed by Steven Spielberg, starring whom? Harrison Ford, right. It pits Indiana Jones against a, a group of Nazis. That always makes for a great movie. Um, who are searching for the what? What are they searching for? The Ark of the Covenant. Adolf Hitler believes that's going to make, of course, his army invincible. So uh, the movie was released on June 12, 1981 and became uh, that year's top grossing film. And uh, in fact, it still remains as one of the highest grossing films ever made. It was actually, you might not know this, but it was nominated for nine, nine Academy Awards, including Best Picture. Uh, It won four. Uh, In 1999, the film was included in the United States uh, Library of Congress's National Film Registries and is ranked among the greatest action-adventure films of all time. Now, there are really so many reasons why I love this movie. There's a lot of great scenes, memorable moments, great lines, like snakes. Why did it have to be snakes, right? Okay, I hate snakes. Um, Anyway, a lot of great memories in that movie. Um, But one of the reasons why I think that I personally love this movie so much really is because of when... It was actually released. Uh, The summer of 1981 was an important time in my life. It was the summer before I went to high school. And, uh, you know, I grew up uh, on James Island. I went to Fort Johnson High School when there were two, when there were still two high schools on James Island. And, uh, but most importantly, it was the summer that I gave my life to Christ. Uh, The summer that I gave my life to Jesus. I had, um, 
had gone to camp and uh, gave my life to Christ. In fact, it was one of the first movies that I remember going to watch with my youth pastor, you know, when I was a kid, Mike Diamond. And uh, I think we must have seen that movie like four or five times over that summer. Um, and then, and then there was this whole element too, you know, being a brand new Christian, um, I loved that this movie had this spiritual component to it, you know, a spiritual element kind of mixed in with all the action and adventure, you know, the search for the Ark of the Covenant and the, you know, the power of God. And, uh, in fact, because of the movie and then being a new Christian, you know, and being a guy, you know, I, I kind of found myself wanting to read everything that I could get my hands on. Um, about the Ark of the Covenant, uh, which of course sent me to the Bible and uh, reading all about Moses and and Joshua. And uh, that's really one of the reasons why I love the book of Joshua so much. If you want a a great read, uh, read through the book of Joshua because it really does read like an action-adventure movie. And uh, you, you, you kind of imagine Joshua even looking a little bit like Indiana Jones. And, um, and then, of course, uh, you know, one of the reasons why um, I also love the book of Joshua so much is because the Ark of the Covenant plays such a, a huge role in, in the book. And so today, that's really what I wanted to do. I'm going to use, I just want to use the story. Um, I want to look at a story at the very beginning of the book of Joshua. And uh, it's a story where the Ark of the Covenant really does play a leading role. And uh, the the book of Joshua, if you're not familiar with it, let me kind of set the stage a little bit. The book of Joshua is really all about the next generation of of God's people, okay? The previous generation of the children of Israel, they had been wandering around the wilderness for 40 years. Years Now, what should have taken about an 11-day hike from Egypt into the Promised Land takes them 40 years, okay? Now, the reason it took them so long, of course, if you know the story, is because of their lack of faith and their disobedience. They had sent spies into the Promised Land to check it out, and the majority of them came back and said, oh no, we could never overtake it. We could not, you know, they're too big, too strong, and except for who? Joshua. Joshua stands up and he goes, no. You know, the Lord said for us to do it, we can do it. You know, but because of the, he was kind of over overruled by the majority, um, because of their lack of faith and their disobedience, they set off for this 40-year wandering around the desert until that generation of God's people had died off. And so now, here they are again. They're given this opportunity to come into the promised land to, uh, for a new beginning, you know, a fresh start. They're, and they're, they're really kind of, you've got to picture it like they're, they're right there at the edge and right in front of them as kind of not just the border, but a, a, a barrier is uh, the, the Jordan River standing in their way between them and this huge blessing of God. Now, as a church, you know, it's not like we've been wandering around the desert for 40 years. However, I will say that when our church very first began, it kind of felt that, that way. Uh, many of you who are new to our church recently, you're, you're not aware of a lot of our history, which, by the way, uh, is a great uh, reason to come to our newcomers lunch. If you're new, if you've never been before, that's a great next step, and we tell a little bit about the story. But 
uh, for the first 14 years of our church, and that's a long time, 14 years, we were portable. That means we set up and broke down every single Sunday for 14 years in three different locations, mainly. That's a lot of moving of chairs. I used to pray, dear God, let there be no chairs in heaven because I am tired of moving them. But, and now we're here, we still move chairs. But anyway, um, now, and then when we got here, we actually moved here like 10 years ago, okay? It felt like, it, it felt like we kind of arrived in the promised land. I mean, it really did. After all that time of, you know, moving and wandering and setting up and breaking down, now, you know, here we are, you know, 10 years ago, it felt like we'd entered into the promised land. And now, here we are, 10 years later, and the face of our church, the look of our church is way different than it was, you know, 10 years ago, 25 years ago. And that's exciting. I mean, that's great. That, that is good news. The church should be growing and changing. And so just like the people of Israel, I really believe that, you know, here we are again at one of those kind of pivotal places. You know, we're, we're kind of at the edge, ready for, you know, a new adventure, um, ready to face new opportunities and new challenges. Now, here's the deal. I also believe that about you. You know, I believe that for many of you, you know, in, in your story, in your journey, all of us have those kind of pivotal moments, those little times, hinge points in our history where, you know, we've been, you know, kind of walking with God, doing that journey. And then we come to this moment where, okay, what are we going to do? We're at the, at the border, you know, and there's this barrier in the way. And so are we going to keep walking by faith? Are we going to, you know, walk to the other side or are we going to still hang out, you know, where we're at? What are we going to do? And I think as a church, we're kind of, you know, every church, every church that's growing and, and becoming and, and uh, following the voice of God, you know, hits those moments all the time where, okay, what are you going to do? Are you going to keep walking by faith? Are you going to follow my voice? Are you going to do what I say? And I think, again, as an individual, some of you are right there as well. You know, maybe it's in a relationship Maybe something personal, maybe it's in your family, and you've been, you know, moving forward, but all of a sudden there's this huge barrier that's here, and so there's this important decision you've got to make. Do I choose to walk by faith and to trust God, or am I going to stay where I'm at? So, follow along as we read this adventure. Uh, Joshua chapter 3, listen to this. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shedem and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. About three days, the officers, uh, after three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. Now, these were the orders that were passed down to the officers through Joshua, and this is what they were telling all of the different encampments around. said, when you see what? When you see the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priest who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. And again, you know, as a church, you know, that every church, again, that's, that's growing, that's doing great things for God, you're always going to find yourself at a point in which you've never been that way before. And I think that's true of you as an individual. 
You know, like you find yourself um, going into new territory in a new direction. And you don't know which way to go. You don't know who to follow because you've never been this way before. But, he says, keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark. Do not go near it. And again, boy, already. And again, if you've been reading through Joshua and reading through Deuteronomy, you know there really is the sense of the power and the presence of God here uh, in this Ark of the Covenant. And then Joshua told the people this. Listen to what Joshua said. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. So they were to move forward. The only thing standing between them and, and this new opportunity, this new blessing, the promised land, is a river, the Jordan River. Now, you also need to know that the Jordan River was at flood, flood stage at this time. It, it had overflowed its banks. It is at the, its highest point ever during this time of the year. And so the river was served both as the border to blessing, but also as a huge barrier. And again, I think we're there as a church as well. You know, we're standing on the border, on the edge of some incredible opportunities for our church. And many of you are there in your life as well. You're on the edge of God just doing some amazing things. But he's waiting on you to see what you're going to do, who you're going to follow, who you're going to listen to, and if you're going to take that next step. You know, as a church, when I think about, you know, where we've been over the last, you know, five, six, seven years, do you know that we have quadrupled as a church in the last six, seven years? New people coming every week, lives being changed. You know, we're in the middle of our first building program. By the way, when you say first, what does that imply? There's going to be what? A second and a third. That's right. Um, but we're in the middle of our first. We're building a new facility that's going to seat over 600 people in worship. Enable our church to continue to grow, continue to reach more people, to reach out to our community during the week. You know, we, we are quickly coming to the close of our uh, all-in giving campaign, uh, where many of you have given and are giving sacrificially to see this project to completion. God's hand of blessing and favor has been on us, and he's using us to draw people to himself. And so I think we need to ask ourselves, so what are we going to do with that? You know, we're just going to settle in a camp on this side of the river thinking, "Woo, man, we're hot stuff. God's done great things through us. You know, we're going to talk about the way it used to be and what God did and where we've been. Or do we keep moving forward? And what about you in your own life? Maybe, you know, you know you, you've experienced some victories. Well, so is the rest of your life going to be about looking, you know, backward and talking about the past? Or now as you stand in front of this, this barrier, what, what do you do? Well, the obvious response, if you're um, you know, one of the children of Israel, should be, well, in order for us to keep moving forward, we've got to cross the river. We've got to keep walking by faith. And so that's no small task. So let's talk about how we do that. How do you do that? Number one, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. It sounds so simple. Uh, the people of Israel faced a huge, huge challenge. But then God makes it simple. He tells them, move whenever the ark moves. Now, what does that have to do with you and me today? Well, 
The ark in this story represents God's presence, God's power. And so the ark, you know, again, and really the movie does a pretty good job of depicting the ark physically. It is this kind of a simple rectangular box, but it's got this gold-plated lid to it. Uh, called the mercy seat. There's two cherubim uh, that stand on either side with outstretched wings. Uh, the, the ark contains basically three things. Anybody remember, you know, through uh, children's church or growing up or reading your Bible, what the ark contains or through the movie, what the ark contains? What does it contain? Number one, what? The Ten Commandments. Number two, a bowl of what? Manna. And then Aaron's what? Rod or staff. Why those three things? Well, they represented, again, think about it. You know, the word of God, the provision of God, the presence of God, God's power, his protection, all of that inside the ark. So the ark could be summarized in three words. God with us. And so Joshua, as the leader, hears from God, and then he tells the children of Israel to keep their eyes on the ark. Now, by the way, Nowhere in the story does he ever say, let's form a committee and talk about it. Let's vote on this. Okay? That doesn't happen. He says, we're going to listen to the voice of God, and we're going to do whatever it is God tells us to do. So Jesus is the fulfillment of the ark of God. He is Emmanuel, the Bible says, which means God with us. Jesus is God's provision, God's protection, God's power. He is leading us into new opportunities, new challenges. That's what we do here at Coastal. It's simple. We follow Jesus. We point people to Jesus. Wherever he leads, we follow. It's that simple. We are not going to be distracted. We will not be diverted by side issues or side, side things. It's all about him. And the Bible says that Jesus, he came to seek and save that which was lost. So, until he comes again or he calls us home, that's what we're going to be busy doing. And we tell people all the time, we will do anything short of sin to see lost people come to know Christ. That's who we are. We don't make apologies for that. Now notice though, when you follow Jesus, that always leads into uncharted territory. Okay, again, following the ark, following which represents Jesus, it always leads into uncharted territory. In terms of distance though, the Israelites really didn't have that far to go. We're talking about 150 feet, you know, during flood stage. But it represented this huge, huge barrier. Now, I want to be honest with you about something. You know, I don't have all the answers as to what the future holds for our church. You know, people, you know, jokingly say, if you build it, they will come. From another movie, right? Remember that one? Um, You know, the truth is, as far as churches go and buildings, that's really not true. Just because you build a building doesn't mean your church, you know, is going to grow and that people are going to come. However, if you're healthy and you are growing and you are reaching people and there is momentum and you listen to God's voice and you do what he tells you to do and you build a building, guess what will happen? They will come. God will use that building as a tool and use us to draw people to himself. There's lots of changes taking place here at our church. You know, right now we're a church of like 450 to 500 people. I believe in the fall when we move into that building quickly, we will grow to a church between 600 and 800. A lot of changes coming down the pike. 
In many ways, this is uncharted territory, you know, for all of us, for me. You know, I'm learning new things all the time. So I don't know everything that God has in store for us, but it reminds me of that old joke. What does a 500-pound gorilla eat? Whatever he wants to, you know? And my attitude is, what does God have in store for Coastal? What does God have in store for our church? Man, anything he wants to. I just want us to keep our eyes on Jesus and and keep following him. Keep listening to his voice. Keep doing the same thing that he has called us to do. Number two, keep our heart devoted to Jesus. Keep our hearts devoted to Jesus. You know, if you were leading um, a military expedition in Joshua's day, uh, and you were the military leader, you had to go around and tell all the different groups what to do the next day, You'd probably say something like, hey, make sure your swords are sharp, you know, uh, get your shield ready, get your, um, uh, you know, your helmet ready. Instead, Joshua says something very interesting. He says, get yourselves spiritually ready. He says, consecrate yourselves, consecrate yourselves. You know, as, as we face some things that we've never faced before. You know, as we get ready to, you know, move into a new building, you might expect me to say, hey, get out your wallet and give till it hurts. You know, that, that's what you might expect to hear. But actually what we've been trying to say over these last, you know, this last year is let's prepare ourselves spiritually. Prepare yourselves spiritually. Consecrate yourselves. Because you know what? As a church, if we are walking with God, We'll never lack for money, for resources. Because ultimately, giving, is, it's a spiritual issue. It's not a financial issue. Because if God has your heart, he has your wallet already. Giving is a spiritual issue. You know, what is that next step you have to take for whatever is going on in your life? You know what I would tell you? I would say consecrate yourself. Prepare yourself spiritually. You know, the the word consecrate, again, it's not a familiar uh, term to us today, but basically what it means is set your life apart for God. Reserve it for God. Keep your heart devoted to Jesus. Have you ever, um, you know, I'm sure many of you have made reservations before at a restaurant. And, uh, you know, we're really blessed here at Charleston to have a lot of great uh, restaurants and a lot of really nice places. And so they require, you know, a reservation. Now, um, in fact, um, just... uh, a couple of weeks ago, was uh, my birthday was on the 1st of July, and then my son Christopher's birthday was on the 3rd. And uh, so we were going out for dinner uh, for my birthday, and we made a reservation, uh, which means you call up the restaurant, you know, and you, you know, hopefully you find a decent time for, you know, for where you're going and want to eat. And then if it's, uh, you know, if they're really careful, like the, the people taking the reservation, you know, they'll ask you, uh, you know, not just your name, but sometimes they'll even ask you what? Right, it's a special occasion because they want to be prepared and make sure they have everything ready for you. So, of course, I told them, I said, well, actually, it's, it's my birthday. Like, oh, happy birthday, blah, 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 blah. So, anyway, we get there to the restaurant, and I had made a, a comment about it really is my birthday, but then it was also my son Christopher's birthday just two days later. And they're like, oh, so they wanted to bring out dessert for us. You know, it's like, oh, this is great, you know. It's free, number one. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> But, uh, so, and it really wasn't my birthday. No, it really was. It actually was. I don't do that. I don't do that. But it really was my birthday. But then what was crazy, so they bring out all the desserts, and they had, um, uh, you know, I think the, the one that Christopher got was, I can't remember what it was, but they had spelled out 
a happy birthday, like with chocolate on the plate and everything. And they gave it to him. And I'm like, it's my birthday, you know. But anyway, that had nothing to do with the story, but I was frustrated about that. But anyway, um, so, but the word consecrate means to, you know, to set apart for special use. And so just like, you know, a table, you know, is reserved, is consecrated, nobody else is going to use it while you're there. So when you consecrate yourself to God, when you are preparing yourself spiritually, you're basically saying, God, my life is reserved for you. You know, my heart doesn't belong to anybody else. And so what I'm saying is that this, this is an important part of you know, if you find yourself right there on the, on the edge of God's blessing, if you, if you find yourself, right, you know, your story has got you to this certain point, but there's a next step that's required, you better consecrate yourself. You better prepare yourself spiritually. You better come before God and say, God, my heart is set apart for you. Now, how do you practically walk that out, though? What does that look like to set your heart apart for God? Let me give you three suggestions. Number one, quickly, get rid of the junk in your life. Get rid of the junk. Again, the word consecrate was also used to describe what the high priest would do to cleanse himself. Uh, to get ready to go into the Holy of Holies and how he would you know, take off his garments and clean every part of his body. Um, now, obviously, in one sense, we really can't clean up ourselves, okay? Only Jesus does that. Only the blood of Jesus. So I'm not, what I'm talking about here is not salvation. That's something that Jesus does for us when he saves us. He cleans us up. But practically, day by day, I'm talking about cooperating with the Holy Spirit to walk that out. That process of sanctification. That process of becoming more and more like Jesus, like God already sees us because of Jesus. Okay? But there's a, there's a cooperation involved. We have a part to play in that. You know... This building here, you know, right, that, you know, this is just brick and mortar, that God doesn't actually live here. There's nothing holy about this place. Uh, Your body, however, is the real temple of God, the real sanctuary of the Holy Spirit. And so I think periodically we need to ask ourselves, am I keeping it clean? Am I pursuing holiness? Am I allowing sin to reside in my heart? Because if we're going to set aside our lives for God's purposes and God's use, then we need to get rid of the junk. I remember one time I, had, um, I got a phone call one, uh, one afternoon. Actually, I think it was late morning from a, a gentleman who had been uh, struggling with uh, giving his life to Christ. And he calls me up uh, late one morning and he says, Pastor Chris, I, you know, would you be willing to come over to my house and just to pray with me? Um, I think I'm, I'm ready to give my life to Christ. I'm like, yeah, that'd be great. So I, uh, this is a long time ago. You don't know who this individual is, but I, I, yeah, he lived up in Somerville and I drove up to his home and um, we, you know, started talking about the decision he was ready to make. And, and uh, you know, and we talked about some of these same things about, you know, that Jesus is the one that comes into our life and he cleans us. We don't have to clean up, you know, our, our life before we come to God. And then God, you know, uh, makes us. He, through the Holy Spirit, our cooperating with the Holy Spirit, we become more and more like God already sees us. 
And we started, you know, talking about making some changes in his life that he needed to make. And we prayed together and um, he accepted Christ. And then when we finished praying, I just felt like, um, because in my prayer, I had said something about, you know, again, about what a God making us uh, clean and brand new. And for whatever reason, at the end of the prayer, I looked at him. I said, hey, by the way, you know, you know, I know in my prayer, I said something about, you know, God cleaning us up. But, you know, we need to help in that process. Like, is there anything here in, in your house that you need to get rid of today, you know, that, 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 would, that could serve as, a, as an obstacle, as just junk you need to get rid of? He's like, you know what, Pastor Chris, there is. Hold on a second. And so he gets up and he comes back with like this box of uh, uh, garbage bags, like hefty, hefty, since like the big black garbage bags. And I was like, okay, where, you know, where is this going to? And the, I'm thinking, nobody's here but me. He's going to bag me up or something or, you know, anyway. But um, he said, could you follow me around the house? And I was like, yeah, sure. So we, we proceeded over the next half an hour to walk around his house and every closet in the attic, under, under, like, like in every, under every bed. And we filled up like two or three bags full of pornography and, uh, Pot, uh, marijuana, drugs, drug paraphernalia. I mean, like, it was like bag after bag after bag. And um, I was like, yeah, yeah, we need to clean this stuff out, you know. And, and he's like, Pastor Chris, will you just take it? You just take it with you and, uh, you know, just do something with it. Because I just want it completely out of my house. And this is like before cell phones, you know. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll take it away. And, and I, no joke between, like, I'm thinking, man. What am I going to, if I get pulled over and like, and I was driving, we've always driven like really crappy cars, you know, and I'm thinking, man, I'm thinking, do the lights work on my car? Because I could just see the newspaper the next day, you know, Post and Courier, pastor pulled over for porno, pot and drug paraphernalia, you know, or something. And so like, I get to our neighborhood and uh, they were just building our neighborhood, and I found some dumpsters, <laughs> and I just threw everything away into that dumpster. And then I thought, man, that's that's probably not a good idea because all those guys building my house were going to be smoking weed. Look at it, anyway. Okay, so got nothing to do. No, it really does have something to do with the stories that you know. I don't know what it is in your life, but maybe you maybe you got some junk you need to get rid of. You know, you don't have to come clean before you come to church, before you come to salvation. But if you want to set your, your life apart for God's service, there might be some stuff, might be some cleaning up you need to do. Um, you also, number two, need to get into God's word. Again, only, only the blood of Jesus can wash away our sin, but it's the word of God that keeps us clean in that process. Look at Psalm 119, 9 and 11. How can a young man keep his way pure by living according to your word? I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Man, start getting into God's word. If you haven't downloaded you version, do that. Get into God's word every single day. Allow his word just to, to cleanse your heart and to cleanse your mind. And then number three, prayer. Get down on your knees. Get down on your knees. If you're gonna consecrate your life to God, and you're going to be prepared to take that next step. Um, you got to get rid of the junk, get into God's word, get down on your knees. Jesus said, if you remain in me and my word remains in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given. So keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your heart devoted to Jesus. And then number three, finally, you got to take those next steps. Keep moving forward 
with Jesus. Let me show you the the rest of the story, so to speak, beginning in verse 14. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage during all harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap at a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, the salt sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all of Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. What does that mean for you today? What does that mean for us today? Again, the Jordan was this barrier. It was this border into the blessing. I think, you know, again, every church that's growing, that's, that's listening to God, finds itself regularly on the border of the next step, the next opportunity. And I think that's true of you as well. You know, whether, again, whether it's personal or financial, whether it's a family thing or a health thing, you know, the question is, are you going to move forward or are you just going to stay where you're at and drift backwards? You know what? Here's the principle here. You will never know God's power until you step into the water. You will never experience God's power, God's blessing, the miraculous working of God until you step into the water, until you take that next step. Now, again, before you think... You know, these priests were just tiptoeing in a little shallow, trickling brook. You know, listen to what it says here. Again, the the word Jordan actually means to descend. The water for the Jordan River descends from the top of Mount Hermon, about 9,200 feet above sea level. It flows into the Sea of Galilee and then goes into the Dead Sea, about 1,300 feet below sea level. It's about a a 10,000 feet descent over, over 95 miles. In flood season, at this time, it would have been looking like, like you looked across, you know, the Colorado River. So visualize that as these priests, you know, carrying the Ark of the Covenant are descending down toward this this raging river. Too deep to cross. The current is too, you know, rough to swim across. And, And by the way, think about this too. You know, I doubt they had a lot of swimming lessons while they were, uh, you know, wandering around the wilderness, you know, the desert for, for 40 years. And so here's these priests, they walk up to the water's edge and they face this huge crisis of faith. By the way, every time I, I think about that, this particular part, I can't help but think about the third movie of Indiana, Indiana Jones, right? When, um, you know... He has to take that step of faith. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. Anyway. Um, and, and the question is, you know, do we stand here and do we just wait on the water to stop or do we take a plunge of faith? Now, these, these men could have been swept away. They could have, uh, they could have drowned. But basically, they decide sink or swim, live or, live or die we're going to obey God. And they kept walking by faith. Look at verse 15 again. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. Man, God's timing is perfect, isn't it? How many times do you come to a new experience with God 
And he just patiently waits, patiently waits for you to step out in faith. He waits for you to get your feet wet. He's waiting on you to make that phone call. He's waiting on you to make the ask. He's waiting on you to invite that friend. He's waiting on you to enroll at school. He's waiting on you to start giving. He's waiting on you to volunteer. He's waiting on you to serve. You know, again, as a church, we stand at that place again. And we face, you know, new challenges and new opportunities. And so what are we going to do? Are we willing to step into the water? To go all in? I want you to, I want you to dream with me just for a little bit about a, about a church and about what our church can be and what we can do. What do you see? You know, as we stand at the precipice, as we, you know, stand at that, at the border of uh, this barrier to blessing and new opportunity, what do you see? Let me tell you a few things I see. I see a church where those who come, who come feel, feeling condemned, they get accepted. Of a church where the fallen are restored, the hurting are healed, and the lost are saved. I, I see a church where everybody counts, where everybody is appreciated, where everybody is valued, not because of who you are out in the world, but because of who you are in Christ Jesus. I see a church where people are welcomed regardless of what they've done, regardless of where they've been, where prodigals are received with open arms. I see a church where the love of God in people's hearts is so strong that gossip is rejected, that people are built up and not put down, where unity is more important than winning an argument. I see a church where Jesus is loved, honored, and worshiped in spirit and in truth. And where the only bystanders in times of worship are those who have not yet given their lives to Christ. I see a church where the students are involved. And at an early age, kids can see that they have a destiny. And they know that they are just as much a part of the church as anybody else. I see a church where people who are single, divorced, widowed, orphaned feel secure and safe and a part of the family of God. I see a church where the weight of the work doesn't rest on a few, but where everybody plays their part in reaching the world with the good news of God's love and kindness. I see a church where everything that is done is done with enthusiasm and excellence and where people needing Jesus are and always will be our top priority. I see a church where the Holy Spirit gets excited about being here and is free to do whatever he wants to do. I see a church where people come to know Christ every week and their needs are being met by the risen Savior. I see a church where the Bible is preached and loved and obeyed. I see a church where people realize that we don't just go to church, we what, Coastal? We are the church. And each and every one of us, we are on a mission to share and experience the abundant life of Jesus, to beat down the very gates of hell and to rescue people one life at a time. You say, Pastor Chris, is is all that really possible? With God, 
all things are possible. But for that vision, for that dream to be realized, we have to keep moving forward in faith. When we come to that that barrier, when we come to that border, we've got to step into the water. You know, what's interesting about that story is that God was just waiting on them. You know, and like the reality is, you know, whatever's going on in your life, whatever, whatever, you know, border you find yourself, whatever barrier you find yourself at, listen, consecrate your life to God, keep your eyes on Jesus and move forward. Move forward. That's what God is waiting on. He's waiting on you to, to listen to the voice of God and to follow him. Regardless of your feelings, follow him. Listen to his voice and to take a step by faith. That's what this church has been doing and what we're going to continue to be doing. And my guess is that's what many of you, that's what God is waiting on you to do in your life. Take that step of faith.